so I think we're on now. All right. So I was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do on the topic today, and so um, I figured that uh, we'll look at something. I, I did this lesson, of, I think it was a few years back, on the topic of vengeance, and um, I need to plug that in. I have not plugged that in. So uh, we'll get this working eventually. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, vengeance, pretty much basically the subject of, of how do I avenge myself or should I avenge myself, and then also what what's God's, um, how God is going to enact vengeance on those that uh, reject him. And so that's hopefully that's going to be coming on soon. But when we when we think about that and we think about avenging ourselves or enacting some act of revenge on others, I think that's, you know, it's part of our culture uh, that when somebody does me wrong or does somebody or does some uh, somebody that I know wrong, we tend to want to get them back. Or, you know, we think that something bad should happen to those individuals. And again, it's just in our culture uh, you think about, uh, so this is a, a, a frame from most of you probably know it. It's the outlaw Josie Wales. And um, basically, I mean, it seems like most of the movie was him, you know, getting back at people who had wronged him uh, throughout throughout his life. And um, when we see what the, the people have done to him, you're kind of like, yeah, I... I, I I like where this movie is heading because what what you know basically the people has done, you know messed with his family and uh, it turns out good for him at the end of the day and so those types of movies it's like man this is how it ought to be this is how it it should it should happen uh, this is another this kind of this is not a very good picture but this is the dragon from the Hobbit all right and so I think it was probably the the first or second movie there that the dragon uh, flies out of the, the out of the mountain and basically he's flying toward the town he, we know he's fixing to destroy the town it looks like he's winning and that's where the end of the movie is and um, you get on you, you see that and if you're watching it in the theaters and you're just like why did it end there you know why you know the, 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 this character the evil character is won or he's, he's about to win and of course, they set it up as a cliffhanger so that you'll come and watch the other movies that they that they release in the next year. But we know that that's not how that those movies are supposed to end. We know that that these bad individuals, these evil individuals that we see, uh, whether it's in movies, whether it's in our, in, in our, uh, around uh, the people that are around us, we know that the evil needs to be punished, and it should be punished. Uh, this is a, a quote from, y'all know this, y'all being Columbus, y'all know this fella. This was a quote from the Columbus newspaper, and this was when the guy who owns the deli in town, I think it was several months ago, he's arrested, all right? For what? Because there was a person that was snooping around his business. He thinks that they're trying to steal stuff. He, own, he holds him at gunpoint, and the guy who, and this guy who's, 
protecting his business, he's arrested. And uh, I live in Starkville, and I heard about it almost the day after it happened. It was pandemonium. It was probably the one thing that would unite everybody in Columbus and against the Columbus Police Department because they arrested this man and because everybody thought he was a, he was a good guy. And they knew that if he, uh, you know, if he was doing something, it wasn't because he had ill intentions. And um, people just, just, I mean, it was, it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of input and a lot of thoughts about this situation there shortly. And again, uh, and, and, and we recognize that, uh, you know, bad things shouldn't happen to good people. You know, we shouldn't, if there is some perceived injustice, it needs to be dealt with and dealt with quickly. Uh, good should win against evil. And, but sometimes the problem, the reality is, you know, again, our life is not a movie, that sometimes we don't get to see good win against evil in our in our lifetime. Or at least in a, I should rephrase that and say, um, in a visible way, we don't see evil people get took care of in in our life or they 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 receive the consequences of their actions in our life in our lifetime we don't get to see it and it seems like i don't know about you but it seems like those really bad people that you can probably think of they just continue on and on in life they seem to just live forever they seem to continue to be prospering they continue to just everything seems to be go right for some for, for them they always have something. You always see them on TV. You always have something to say, and it's just why, why, why does this continue to happen? All right. So that's really the reality of our situation. We know that good should win, and it's supposed to win over evil, but there's just situations where it just doesn't seem to be happening, or at least it doesn't seem to be happening on our timeline and as quickly as we think it uh, should happen. Revelation six and verse ten. There's this scene with. Uh, these saints uh, that were martyred and it says and they cried with a loud voice saying how long O Lord holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth they're asking this question how long how long before you avenge us we died we died for you and so when is this going to take place and we'll look at we'll look at that verse again uh, in this lesson so again those questions and and again we see these people in the scriptures asking these questions. So uh, again, I don't think it's wrong for us to think, man, when when is this going to happen, right? When when you know when is or my struggle is going to be completed? And those that are around me that can continuing to do this evil, how long before they receive the consequences for their actions? And we see in the law that that those that do wrong they are to be punished if if they steal something if they uh mess something up you know and even if it's intentional or unintentional they need to make restitution for that next is 22 and verses 1 through 4 it says if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep if the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun is risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He shall make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be so, he, then he shall be sold for his theft, 
if the theft is certainly found alive, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. And so, the man's guilty if he if he's stealing stuff. He has to make restitution for it one way or the other. And we understand that. Well, at least I should say most people understand it even today. Uh, that if you take something, you should restore. You need to be punished for it. You should be punished for it. Even if, and even if you are borrowing something, say you're borrowing somebody's trailer or truck or whatever, if the tire blows out on the truck while you're borrowing it, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to replace it. I think we all understand. Now, some people have trouble with that. I recognize, but generally it's understood that even in those types of situations, it's in your possession, something happens to it, you make restitution for that. But it seems so this was kind of this was a legal sentence for those individuals who did that. So if they stole something, whatever it may be, this was a legal sentence according to the law. This was how they were going to be dealt with. And it seems like over time that it almost became like, well, if you if you do something to me, I get to take judgment into my own hands. And it seems as though this is what this idea that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5, that if somebody punches me in the face, I don't do that in return. If somebody steals from me, I don't steal from him in return. In Matthew 5, verse 38 through 42, it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to see you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. That, man, that's, that's, that's tough. Because I'll tell you, if you're in the heat of the moment, somebody comes up and slaps you, you may not be like me, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be hard to restrain oneself in that type of situation. And you, and I'm sure you've all been around individuals that, if if you, well, again, if you're like me, I can deal with a lot of stuff, but there are some things that somebody could come up and say to me that just it it sets me off, and it's just it's just it's very hard to restrain oneself. It's very hard to. Uh, not say anything, just keep on going about your day. But this is what Jesus says. He says, don't, uh, if somebody, you know, knocks your tooth out, you don't knock his tooth out. You don't resist this person. Uh, and and, and you, you don't do any, any, you don't fight them back. You just really bear that. And he says, even if someone wants to sue you, and take your routine, let him have that. You don't fight against that. And you may be asking, well, what? Why does he say that? And I think if we continue looking through the rest of, of that section, verses 43 through 40, I think we can understand what Jesus is getting at. Is that, really, you should be imitating the attitude that God has towards us and he ha- that he has towards his creation. Verses 43 through 48 says, You have heard that it was says, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So if you're wondering, why should I tolerate the evil? Well, maybe maybe not tolerate is the right word, but I am long-suffering towards those who are evil. I do not wage a war against those who are evil. Well, look at how God treats those. Uh, it's same individuals. That we are not to hate our enemy. We are to love our enemies. We bless those who curse us. We do good to those who hate you. Why? Well, it's because God does those very same things. Those that are evil, he makes the sun rise on the evil. He gives good things to those who are evil. And, um, you know, part of this is this long-suffering to them so that they will come to their senses and they will repent. And, again, this is that same attitude that God has towards them. And, and again, we, we fall into that category uh, many times as well, uh, that we uh, do these evil things we don't receive the immediate consequences for that. We are given time to repent. And so when we think about going back to these verses 38 through 42, I think we also should reflect on verses 43 and 48 and the good things that he's given to all of us and the good things that he's given uh, to those who are evil and, and really ultimately what the purpose of that is for, uh, giving them time, giving them time to change. And if we're uh, just doing good to those that are good to do, that do good to us, we're no good, no different than anybody else in the world. Not even to the, we're no different than the tax collector or those that are evil in the world because they do uh, help those that are friendly with them, those that show good to them. And so he says, we do those things. We we do good to those who are even uh, evil. He says at the end, therefore you shall be perfect. If we want to be perfect, we live, we strive to be like God. We strive to imitate him. And this is part of that. Romans 12 gives us the same idea. Verses 17 through 21, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will reap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, Paul here, he's saying, strive to live at peace, do all that you can to live at peace with, with men, and don't avenge yourself. The place for vengeance is only given to God. God's going to repay these individuals, all right? So they're going to receive the consequences for their actions, but you continue to do good, all right? And he says, even if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And it seems like that's going to do just... It more, you know, really, it's going to cause a problem with that enemy. He says he's going to heap coals of fire on his head. He's just, it's just, he's not going to get it. And it's just going to, it seems as though that's going to 
you know, maybe uh, help your uh, issue, help your cause. It maybe will eventually cause him from keep doing whatever it may be, uh, whatever he may be doing to you. Uh, that he's going to that doing those good things is more effective than just repaying uh, that evil for evil, and by doing so, you can overcome evil with good. And so, going back to Revelation six, we just looked at uh, verse ten a few moments ago, but verses nine through eleven, it says, "When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar." The souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cry with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. So again, the saints are asking, How long? And God responds, just a little bit longer. And what for? He says, so that their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so there was a plan just a little bit longer. That they, if you just wait, if God's plan continues on a little bit longer, all of these things are going to be set right. And we see in Genesis 15, verse 16, you know, we just looked at this not that long ago, that the land... Uh, that Abraham was in, so this land of Canaan. Eventually, they were going to have this land. And in the fourth generation, his people said, They shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So these people are evil people. They're committing iniquities. But what does God say? He says, It's not yet complete. That their judgment is coming, but it's just... We're, we're, we're waiting a little bit longer. God's plan, really God's plan is still working. And so eventually all of these things are going to be dealt with. So there's a purpose and a plan for that. Now, although we may not completely understand it, it might not make sense to us. There is a plan here. There is a purpose here. So it's not yet complete. We're still just waiting just a little bit longer. And so what we see is that we're waiting but is that judgment locked in? Is it going to happen? Well, yes. It's going to happen. Okay? We can rest assured that it is. But am I going to get to see it? You might. Maybe not. For Abraham, he wouldn't see it. And so, you yeah, know, maybe. Maybe these people are devil. You're able to see it. Uh, again, eventually God's going to deal with all individuals, and uh, so I, I think we'll be able to see that. And um, so, but these individuals here on the earth today, am I going to be able to see them receiving the consequences for their actions? Maybe, maybe not. And um, so, even with that said, we have to make sure that we hold on to those promises and even though just things aren't going right and this world is getting crazier and crazier every day that we have to hold on to that promise that God is going to take care of us but everything is going to be set right eventually just may not be as again may not be uh, just, just as I think it ought to be 
Jeremiah 11 verses 18 through 20 if we kept on reading through uh, through this chapter that there are the as the, the writer puts it the sons of Anathoth are, are working against Jeremiah they don't want him to continue to prophesy and these individuals are against him and he's lamenting this he says now the Lord gave me knowledge of it and I know it for you show me their doings but I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter, and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of, it, land of the living, that his name may, may be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, you judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart. Let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed my cause. So let's think about this for more. So we just saw in Matthew 5 where Jesus was saying, don't resist these individuals. Uh, don't, you know, if, if they hit you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek uh, to them. And we see Jeremiah here saying, let me see your vengeance on them. You take care of these individuals. And God responds that they are going to, you know, they're going to be took care of. But he's, he's saying, do it. Take care of them. Let me... See, let me see your vengeance on them. They have done me wrong. They have, they're trying to cut me off from the land of the living. They're trying to kill me and for, for doing what you told me to do, for prophesying like you told me to do. Now you do, you know, you, know, you show them, you show them uh, your vengeance and let me see your vengeance. We also see in Psalm 7, verses 6 through 8, it says, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded, so the congregation of the peoples shall surround you. For their sakes, therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. So, Similar to, to what we see with Jeremiah, he says, Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Help me, all right? You judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Again, I am your servant. I'm faithful to you. Do something about this. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. And so what we see is we, we see these individuals in scriptures that they, that, that they are faithful and they want judgment. They want justice. And I think what we can see with all this is that, okay, we cannot avenge ourselves. David is not saying, here, I'm going to take care of them. He's saying, God, you need to take care of these individuals. And so we can't avenge ourselves. But I think we can still seek justice. We can still ask these questions. Oh, when, when, when are you going to do this? Uh, please do this and pray about those things. So we can seek this justice, but we have to make sure that we limit ourselves, that we're not the ones doing, uh, uh, basically applying that justice. We're not to be vigilantes and just going about taking care of all these bad people in the world. That only exists for God. Only God has given that power uh, to show vengeance uh, to uh, these individuals. And so we can go and look, and, and we're not going to read, but Psalm 59 again, it's another. We see where David is uh, seeking for the wicked to be judged. 
And we see, you know, again, we ask the question, who's issuing the judgment there that uh, he's seeking for God uh, to judge these individuals? And he goes to that whole chapter talking about uh, those wicked individuals uh, there. But we're running up on time. And uh, so let's turn to Second Thessalonians in chapter 3. And I think this is a, a passage that you all know. But it talks about those that don't obey the gospel. So those, like what we've seen in Romans chapter 2 today, that those that ultimately reject God, they reject those things which are clearly seen and yet are then seeking self. All right, they're seeking their own selfish desires, and they refuse God, they refuse Christ. And it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all about love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ." These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So we see the description here of the church in Thessalonica that there, it says that their faith grows exceedingly. The love of, you, the love of all of you abounds. And we see where there are enduring some tribulation. Uh, that, and they're enduring those, as he puts it, in patience and faith. And so, what is this? this, this in, what is the purpose of this tribulation? Well, he says that it's manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. And so... We look at that and we see that those that are Christians and those that are effectively serving him, they, they suffer in the New Testament. And they also guarantee, they say, if you are a Christian, you're going to face some hardship. You're going to face some type of, of persecution. And this is evidence that you are faithful and that you are actually worthy of the kingdom of God. And so you're enduring those things as evidence that you are worthy of the kingdom of God, but also God's going to repay those who trouble you. And he says when Jesus is revealed, he says he's going to take vengeance on those who don't know God and those that don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says again that they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of, of the Lord. So all those evil people, all those wicked people, those that reject God, 
they are going to have vengeance taken upon them. And those that continue in faithful endurance to the Lord, well, they're going to be repaid as well. They're going to have immortality, glory, and honor. And so we see this contrast. And that's locked in. We can rest assured that God, those that can seek uh, glory, the honor, and immortality, they continue in doing good, they continue in faith of the Lord, they're going to be rewarded. And also those that don't seek God, they're going to be rewarded as well. And so we can have comfort, but it's also a cautionary, cautionary uh, set of verses here that we don't want to be. We don't want to end up with those individuals that refuse to obey the gospel. 1 Peter 3, verses 13 to 17, and it says, And who is he who will harm you if, you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good, than for doing good, than for doing evil. And so, Peter here is saying, he says, people are going to treat you bad, and they may treat you bad, but you act in such a way, you have this good conduct, that if they revile you, they are going to be ashamed. And then he, in verses 13, he asks the question, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what, what is good? And really, who can harm you? Of course, they might physically harm you. Now, that's not what he's saying here. He says, it doesn't matter what happens here. If you continue to do good, there's no one that can really harm you. There's no one that can really separate you from God. Again, you are blessed if you suffer for righteousness' sake. It's evidence that you're kind of worthy for the kingdom of, uh, of God. And so, he, is he encouraging these uh, Christians to keep doing what you've always been doing? Get better. Be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. And again, live in such a way, continue to do such good so that those that treat you bad, those that revile your good conduct, may be ashamed. And if you suffer for doing good, again, there's good that could come out of it, and it's much better than suffering for doing evil. And so there's encouragement there that we can continue to do those things are right. Nobody can truly harm us. And God's going to eventually, again, I say this multiple times, but God's going to take care of all those things, all the wickedness, all the sin in the world. He's eventually going to cleanse all of that and take care of those who are evil, those who are wicked. And so we don't want to be with the evil and the wicked. You know, we want to be with those that are righteous, those that receive Immortality, those that receive those blessings from God. And, um, you know, if you are uh, part of those, those that are in sin, uh, those that are not following God, there is a way for us to get right with Him. We believe in those things. We believe uh, in Christ. We repent of our sins. We'll be baptized in water for the mission of sins. And uh, we will receive that salvation. And 
we continue to live faithfully for him. And so we can have that promise. World again, the world's getting crazier and crazier. The world's getting just, uh, the world's just losing their mind. And um, I mean, the people out in the world, I don't know if you talk with any of these people or see what they say, but they're totally, totally hopeless. Majority of people out in the world. And uh, we can have hope through Christ. And um, because if we put our faith in the world, we put our faith in the, in, in the people that are around us, they're going to fail us. And, uh, but we can rest assured the promises of God that, that, that they are going to stand firm. So if you need any uh, help, if you need to be baptized, if you need the prayers of the saints for whatever reason, uh, will you come now as we stand and as we sing?